This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. (laughs) Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together. As our campuses join with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point, as well as all the people that watch us online and on television around northern Wisconsin. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. It's good to have you with us this morning. And uh, good morning to those in Appleton and Stevens Point. Uh, you guys in Appleton today is your final Sunday uh, at the uh, location in downtown Stevens Point. You're moving to a new location next week, uh, Einstein Middle School. So a little bit more room to breathe over there. And uh, as the church continues to grow, so we're looking forward to hearing good reports about that. And excited about our little date night coming up. October 12th, I don't know about the other campuses, but at this campus you can get tickets right out the door here. Uh, it, this is not the men's brains, women's things, it's, it's different stuff. Although, it, if you've come here a lot, most of you have heard pretty much everything I have to say. <laughs> but it's still fun, and it's funny, it's a great night out. But really, the main reason to come is bring somebody with you. You'd be surprised how many people come to Celebration Church because they have gone to one of these events first. They can't lie to you. He said, yeah, the first time I was here, I was going to one of your Laugh Your Way events or whatever. And they come and they get a chance to see what a great church we have and the kind of people that we hang with. And, uh, and uh, then they get involved. So you really want to do something. You want a chance to reach out to some neighbors or friends. Just say, hey, we're doing this date night thing. It's a comedy night. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the people will check it out. A lot of people are looking for stuff to do anyway on a Saturday night. So check that out for October 12th. Uh, this morning, I want to read to you from Luke, the uh, 16th chapter, the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is giving a parable, which is a story, uh, to make points, okay, to make a point. And uh, we read here where he says in verse 19 of Luke 16, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Everybody say luxury. Luxury, yes, everybody likes luxury. At his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, and he was covered with sores. And longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Longing to eat. Doesn't say that he was eating it. We don't know how much if this guy at all gave to Lazarus. 
He pretty much just ignored him. He knew who he was. He was at the guy's gate all the time. It's where he, he had this big, you know, home and surrounded by gates and stuff. And uh, he uh, knew the guy's name, which we'll see in a little bit after they die. He remembers that his name is Lazarus. So he's well aware of his troubles, uh, but pretty much just ignored them. Even the dogs came, the Bible says, and licked this poor guy's sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that's been set in place. So those who want to go over from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they won't come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, Well, they have Moses and the prophets, in other words, the scriptures. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And uh, Abraham responds, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, if they won't listen to what's already been written and proclaimed, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. We often think, gee, if people really had some dramatic miracle, they would believe, but apparently that is not the case. Faith isn't a matter of seeing here, it's a matter of seeing here. Now, the rich man, if, if you read this without really understanding it, it almost seems like Jesus is saying poor people go to heaven and rich people go to hell. And that is not what he is saying, okay? Because we see at the end of the parable, it's a matter of him not believing. And Lazarus did. And he said, well, send Lazarus back and try and convince my brothers to believe. So that was his problem. Uh, but why did he get to this place of callousness in his heart? It's mostly because of the luxury that he was living in. Today, I want to talk to you about the deceitfulness of comfort. Now, a couple of Sundays ago, I was reading to you from the parable of the seeds and how different people respond to the word of God in this parable. And Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, the seed falling among thorns in this parable refers to someone who hears the word. They like the word. They have faith. They believe. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, when we talk about wealth, everybody right away thinks about money. But it's really not so much about the money. It's not have money is not the problem, which we'll read in the Bible in a little bit. So hang in with me. This isn't about slamming people with money. Uh, the problem is people who are obsessed by money but even more so those who are lured to sleep by money. And that has to do with comfort. Remember, Lazarus, or uh, the rich man's thing, was the luxury in which he lived. Now, um, he warns us about the deception of this money, this comfort. Again, we're not talking wealth, because whenever you talk about wealth, people, we all compare ourselves to everybody else, right? Some of you, you know, I got more money than you, and some people have a lot more money than me, and there's people in town who have a lot more money than all of us put together, <laughs> you know. So when we think about wealth, oh, we're talking about really rich people. No, no, no. It's not talking about that. It's just talking about the comfort that comes. Uh, and the truth is, 
we live in the wealthiest nation the world has ever known, okay? Uh, even those of us who have the least amount of wealth that we think of when we say that live in great comfort, by and large. Now, there's some who do not. I understand that. There are poor amongst us. But by and large, the vast majority of Americans enjoy a level of comfort the world has never known. Not anywhere in the history of mankind since Adam and Eve walked this planet have anybody and any large group of people lived as comfortably as we live. If it's hot, we turn on the AC. If it's cold, we turn on the heat. If we want to go somewhere, we just hop in a car. Some of us have to wonder, gee, which car will I pick to go? You know, if you get a, a hankering for a snack, you know, um, you, know you, gotta, you want a strawberry malt, you got to pull into Culver's and they give it to you right away. And I use Culver's because they have malts and I don't like milkshakes. <laughs> milkshakes are a deception. All right. They're like phony malts. It's not a malt. It's just milk. Blech. Who cares about that? All right. So anyway, got to have the malt. Now, when it, it, we, we, the problem with this comfort level that we have, it tends to rock you to sleep. Even again, if you don't think in terms of money, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the comfort that we live in. We live in great comfort in this country. And the more money you actually do have, even the greater comfort. But even some of the poorest among us experience more comfort than most people in the world right now experience, much less in the history of mankind before the technologies and stuff that we enjoy today. And he warns us about being deceived by this. Now, to deceive means to cause to accept as true or valid something that is false or invalid. And here's the thing. Deceived people do not know they are deceived. That's what the word means. I've talked to people saying, I think you're deceived. Well, I don't think I'm deceived. Well, that's what makes you deceived. If you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. The fact about being deceived, you have no idea. And that's the danger of this stuff. It will deceive you. It'll rock you to sleep and you'll have no idea that you are asleep. Wealth, comfort is deceitful because it can slowly convince us that God is really not that needed or only needed in certain circumstances. You know, things go bad. Grandma's sick. We all got to pray. Or I'll never forget on 9-11, those of you who were in churches at that time, uh, every church in America, and this one included, was packed to the rim for weeks, overflowing, every service. People we'd never seen all come into church. Why? Because this big, horrible event happened, and then after a few weeks, everybody starts falling back to sleep, and they quit coming, you know. That's the thing about comfort. It just, shh, shh, just relax. It's okay. It's okay. And it makes people dull, and they drift off into nothingness. Our comfort, as the wealthiest nation in the world, has by and large done this to the Christian faith. People don't even really want to go to heaven today. It's really odd. We can see that there's heaven and everybody's got to die and, well, let's go there. But the truth is, most of us in America that enjoy the comforts of America, we'd really rather not die and go to heaven. It's just the truth. We've got it really good, you know? We're, we're, we're. It used to be people of faith, one of the main things is about celebrating the idea of getting out of here and going to heaven. When I was growing up back in the 1800s, we would go to church and people would routinely, actually it was just the 60s and 70s, you go to churches, they would sing about heaven all the time. 
Some of you remember these songs that we used to sing all the time about heaven, you know. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Everybody sing. When we all, we all sing these songs, it was great, you know. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory. We'd sing these hymns, woo! And we'd clap, and some people would bring tambourines, which was horrifying. Because you couldn't just stop hitting those things. It was actually a problem. We started creating rules in churches. You cannot bring a tambourine. If you bring one in here, we're going to ask you to go out there, okay? Don't bring a tambourine. It's so loud. The only thing worse than that is a cowbell. Clink, 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 you know. When the roll is called up yonder, remember the song? I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly. We sang and worshiped and pictured getting the heck out of here. The problem is today we've become so comfortable, hardly any church anymore sings about heaven. Heaven is almost an inconvenience that we have to deal with because <laughs> we just can't figure out how to live longer. If we could figure it out, we would choose to live longer. But most of the world has not lived this way. Uh, again, we have a degree of comfort the world has never known. So, um, Deanne and I uh, are watching this show, and it's, it's a period show that takes you back in time out of time traveling shows, you know, all these weird things. And these, this, they go back to the 1700s, 1745 to be exact. And, and, and uh, you know, they're showing life. And of course, they're showing almost they romanticize that period. And, you know, how great this is and wonderful and the romantic couple and they're, you know, they greet each other and they kiss and they hug. And, and I told Diana, I can't get past the fact that, can you imagine how that guy smelled? <laughs> These are people, they never took baths. They didn't. They kind of wiped with a cloth kind of thing. That was it. You know, eventually the upper class started getting baths. Queen Elizabeth, I think around that time, had or next century had a bathtub and she took a bath all the time once a month whether she needed it or not and uh, can you imagine they didn't have any deodorant <laughs> no toothpaste their version of cleaning their teeth was rinsing their mouth with water or they take a little stick and, and that's about it they didn't regularly floss or anything. Man, they had to have halitosis at a level you just cannot believe. And they have these recreations where they have these big balls and all you girls look at these dynamic dancing things that they would have and they all celebrate in the big gowns and they're all dancing around, you know. And, and all I can think of, can you imagine how they smelled after an hour of jumping those big things? Like <laughs> Seriously, I think if you really could go back in time, the first thing that would hit you when you land in another time zone, oh man, what is that? You know, they had horses, got around horses. You know what horses do? They poop all over the place. Everything smelled like horse poop. Uh, and no deodorant in mean, life was just. So they romanticized the show, and I still, every time I watch it, I just think, oh. But people struggled physically, it was hard. And believe it or not, most of the world still lives this way. But nobody, everybody lived this way back then. They didn't have the comforts of, you know, there, there wasn't a Walgreens everywhere. And we traveled all the time. And 
Everywhere we go, we got to stop by Walgreens or something, you know. And we put our map, you know, nearest Walgreens. And just, and it looks like measles was breaking out of my phone. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Why? It's because you, you, you got to go a couple of miles. You got to stop at another Walgreens because I got an itchy nose or something. And this doesn't work. And I got dry skin on my toe. Oh, we got to go get dry skin lotion. And if you had an itchy butt, there wasn't itchy butt cream. You just, you just had an itchy butt. Teeth. <laughs> Have you ever had a teeth, tooth, a teeth? You ever speak English? You ever have a tooth that is really hurting, really aching? Today, thank God, we have dentists that we can go to. My dentist is right there. You gotta go see him. He's really great. Free commercial there. All right, so anyway. <laughs> and, you know, people are afraid of dentists. No, no, I'm afraid of not going to a dentist because I don't like pain. It hurts with the dentist. No, no, what hurts is when your teeth is going, oh, you know, they go and they fix it. Hallelujah. Besides, they got great drugs, man. They knock you out. Wee! I love everybody. You know. But back 100 years ago, you got bad teeth. It's too bad. They didn't even have Advil. It just aged. It's miserable. The biggest cure is that someone would take a pair of pliers without Novocaine. And rip that sucker out of your mouth. People suffer. They didn't have chiropractors. Your back is messed up. You got a messed up back. Too bad. I, I like watching history things. And they would show all these bones of these people. Even back in the early 1900s still. Certainly 1800s before that. How compressed their spines are. Do you know why? Because they rode horses every single day of their lives. And every day, pretty soon. I don't know how these people even slept at night or how they could move that. Do you ever see pictures? When they first came out with the early photographs, do you see these pictures? Nobody smiling. Nobody smiles because life is miserable. They line everybody on this. I got an itchy butt. And I, 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 and I got nothing. I got nothing for itchy butt. I don't know what I'm going to do. So you think everybody's mad? Have you seen these? Have you ever noticed it? Nobody is smiling. Life was miserable. Then the more the technology has changed, the more people would smile. It's like a happier in pictures. And today we're selfies because I got itchy butt cream. All right? Life is okay. I don't actually have an itchy butt, by the way. Praise the Lord. Infant mortality was high. Do you know that uh, in generations prior to us, people would intentionally not try to get that attached to their children? We dote on them today at an incredible level, which is great, you know, but the reason they didn't is so many of them died. It kind of self-protected their hearts. You get too close to that little rascal and then dies. It was devastating. How many women died just in childbirth? Life was miserable. When you talked about heaven, when we all get to heaven, 
What a day of rejoicing that will be. Man, they couldn't wait. There's people around the world who still, you know, their lives are still horribly miserable. We've got extremists around the world for the promise of heaven. It's a very twisted thing. They'll happily blow themselves to smithereens. Why? Better than sticking around here. This is awful. Now, am I against comfort? Indeed, I am not. I like to be comfortable. I don't even like cold french fries. And you know how I feel about milkshakes. I like this stuff. And it's, not, and it's okay to have this stuff. What you need to be careful about, the Bible warns us. So I'm, I'm just warning you this way. I'm not mad at anybody. Sometimes people think I'm getting mad. I'm not mad. I'm in a good mood. All right? But I have to warn. We need to remind ourselves. Be careful. Don't let comfort lull you to sleep spiritually. Here's the kicker. Do you know the more money people make or the more comfortable they are, the less committed they are to the cause of Christ? Uh, Barna Research Group, they do all kinds of research stuff all the time with evangelical Christians and churches and faith and stuff. Uh, they studied this. They said the more money people get, the less, we're talking about evangelical Christians, the less percentage of their income they give. You would think you'd be more generous, right? Nay, nay. That's not what happens. They say the, the biggest percentage of givers are people around some of that, you know, joint incomes around sixty, seventy-five thousand dollars $75,000 a year. When they make 150000 they give less. When they get 300000 it's even less. When they get less, it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. How sad is that? Why? There's something about comfort that just lulls you to sleep. Shh. Shh. It's okay. Just relax. It rocks us slowly to sleep. And if you're not careful, the more you have, the weaker your commitment to Christ becomes. You know, people, the more comfortable they get, the less they want to come to church. And they love the church. And they love all of it. They just don't come very often. A lot of y'all don't come very often. I'm glad you're here. We pulled in this morning. Danny goes, look at all the cars in the parking lot. I said, I know. Two reasons. No Packer game. And the weather is crappy. There's nothing else to do. In fact, this is probably the most comfortable thing they could do this morning because there's nothing else to do. Let's go in where at least it's warm. No, that's just sad. And again, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm glad you come if you come once a year. I'm serious. But you got to be careful. Beware the deceitfulness of comfort. It'll rock you to sleep. You don't think it. When you're really comfortable, people who are really comfortable almost never think about God. I'm talking about Christians. They just don't. They only think about God when there is a crisis. Let's look at what... Uh, Paul said in the New Testament, he writes to Timothy, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and you can bet you're not going to take anything out. Never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. But if we have food and clothing, we'll just be happy with that. Those who want to get rich, and that's the problem, the desire, <laughs> just obsessed. They fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, it is not money that's the problem, it is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, 
godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. He goes on, da 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 da, da all this stuff. And then in verse 17, now command those who are rich in this present world. So there were people who in the Christian faith did have wealth. And they, some of them were greatly blessed. Here's the crazy thing about it. If you will be careful not to get lulled to sleep with what God blesses with you, you'll be blessed with even more. There are a lot of people here. I see them. You know, I was noticing them in the service this, this morning, in the last service. Been coming to this church for 10, 15, 20 years. I know them. They do really well. They got a lot of money, really comfortable. They're a lot better off than I am. But they never miss a service. They're the ones who never, ever allowed comfort to rock them to sleep. They're as faithful as the day is long. Every time the doors open, they're here. They're faithful. They, they be, and these are the people who get blessed even more. I mean, if the more you get blessed, the less you care about God, why do you think it is that God doesn't bless people more? Because we've already shown him that the more we get, the less committed we are to him. It's just it is. I don't make up the rules. It's just the way it is. I think you would do the same way if you were God. If you knew every time that you blessed someone and they got more and more comfortable and, more, and the less they cared about you, if I give you stuff and the more I give you, the less you like me, I giving you jack. No, that's just me. <laughs> I give something to somebody and they're grateful and responsive and nice and cuddly and kind. I want to give them more. Woo! I like that. Well, God's the same way with us. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He wants you to have stuff to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with it. I like to enjoy things. I really enjoy being comfortable, quite frankly. But you just have to be careful. Don't let it rock you to sleep. Command them to do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He is not slamming rich people. Not in the least. He's celebrating them. Man, encourage them. Show them how they can be a better blessing to people. Just be careful. Be careful. The whole point of all this is be careful. So I don't got lots of money. It's, not, it's just that we're comfortable. I mean, the reason why so many people don't even go to church, Christians, devout Christians, don't even go to church is they're comfortable. Our best service, people say, you know, how's your attendance at Celebration Church? I always say it depends on the weather. The nicer the weather is, the less they come. The good news is we live in Wisconsin. <laughs> or nobody would come, you know. You can have money. You can have comfort and still get this right. And the thing is, the more you get it right, the more God is likely to bless you with these things. These people are the ones who have constantly resisted the urge to fall asleep, spiritually speaking. How can you tell if you're being rocked to sleep by comfort? You give less money. You come to church less. You pray less. You read the scriptures less. In fact, the scriptures start to have really no impact on you at all. You know, the Bible says, yeah, but I have different opinions. Really? You're smarter than God. It's very impressive. We actually become more. We, we, we discard things. We, we're so filled with our own thoughts. <laughs> Aren't we amazing? <laughs> and we get lulled to sleep. It's like slowly cooking a frog. You've heard this analogy a million times, right? You throw a frog in a pan of hot water, he will jump out. 
If you put him in a warm bunch of water, he'll snuggle in and then start turning off the heat. It'll get warmer and warmer. Ooh, ah, it's like being in Florida. Ooh, ah. Then it's like Mexico. Ooh. Then it's like Ecuador. Holy cow. Pretty soon he's cooked. He could have jumped out at any time. But if you do it slow enough, It just becomes less interesting. And then something tragic will happen and you come running back and God will always be here for you. But you'll really struggle when things go really bad because you don't have much faith. Your faith isn't very strong. Why? Because you've been rocking to sleep. Comfort. Even if you don't have much money, we all live in pretty strong comfort. And if you're not careful, it will rock you to sleep. You know, we watch, have a lot of people who watch us all over the world <laughs> on the internet. And we're glad that you watch us. We really appreciate it. There's people who consider themselves part of Celebration Church who watch us on the internet. If that's you, you really ought to give to Celebration Church. If we're your church, don't just sit there and watch it on TV. This is great. This is free. No, 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 no. You need to give just like everybody else. But we see where these people are. You can see it. And, and there's thousands, actually, all over the world. But then there's two to 400 people in this area right now watching us that really belong to Celebration Church, but they're staying home because it's comfortable. They're in their underwear and they like being in their underwear. And one of the things I'm glad is you can see us and we cannot see you. Is a, and I'm not mad at you. Nobody's mad at you. Somebody wrote me back this morning already. Well, if you're sick, well, if you're sick and you can't come, you have a good reason you can't come. I ain't talking to you, obviously. But you can and you don't because it's just more comfortable. Push a button. Bleep. Now I'm going to church. No, you're not. I'm glad you listen. I do. And those who you can't, at least it's something. But it's not the same as actually coming. It's not the same experience. There's something that spiritually, the dynamic happens when you gather with people of faith. It's very powerful stuff. But why do we have three to four hundred people every Sunday who are part of the church who don't come? Because, I don't know, just comfortable, comfortable, comfortable. And they fall asleep. You need to resist the urge to fall asleep. Now, uh, when my lovely redhead was still here, Deb and I used to love to watch movies. We watched way too many movies. We just, just sit in front of the TV. Just, uh, you know. uh, and now, with the lovely blonde here, uh, we don't watch many movies because she can't stay awake. And she falls asleep all the time. It's like, what is that drug they give you to make you fall asleep before surgery? What do they call that? You just call it ether. It's not ether, is it? What do they call it? I got a doctor back here. In Gaza, what do they, what do they give people? Propofol. Propofol, yeah. It's like propofol for her. We were trying to watch a movie last night in the airplane, flying back from North Carolina. It was starting to get good, and I look at her, and I mean, just this is the way she is. <laughs> By the way, people say, does she like it when you make fun of her? She actually does. <laughs> Don't you? She does. She really does. She gets a kick out of it. People say, does your wife like it when you... If she didn't like it, why would I do it? Do you know why people ask that? It's because of what you do. You do something your spouse can't stand, and you do it anyway. That makes you, I don't know, a moron. Why would you do it? 
Here's some, you want some great marriage advice? If you're doing something your spouse doesn't like, stop it. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is great. Awesome. You just got a free seminar right there. Is your wife like, well, do you think I do it? Yeah, because you do. Stop. I just got to, I don't know if he's listening right now. I won't mention your name. I can't, that's why I don't like talking to people. Because whenever I talk to somebody, then I have to talk about anything I'm talking to them. And usually it's not, but I am talking to you right now. Guy calls me, his wife's going to leave him. Because I do such and such. Well, stop it. Well, yeah, but, but I think it's, it's okay to do it. She's going to leave you. Yeah. Are you upset? Yeah. Then stop doing it. But no, they want to come and spend hours counseling with me to slowly suck the life force out of my soul. Just stop irritating them. It's not that hard. Now, if you don't know what the problem is, okay, we'll go look for the problem. But when you know walking in the door, my marriage sucks because I do this, then stop doing it. Amazing. Anyway, I don't even know what I'm talking about. What am I talking about? Oh, talking about comfort. (laughs) And being rocked to sleep. Okay? And it's great. So if it's a really funny comedy, she gets that. Or if it's something really dramatic. But if there's lots of dialogue, even in the middle of a good movie, she passes out. So I'm always, you awake? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's the other day. Are you awake? Your eyes are closed. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> Wake up. And that's fine. I don't care. I don't watch as many movies, which is probably good for me anyway. But uh, don't just let life rock you to sleep. Enjoy what you have. Be faithful with what you have, and you'll see that God will bless you with even more. But it's a warning. Why is it a warning? I'm talking to some of you. I'm stepping on some toes this morning. I'm not mad at anybody. You all know what I'm talking about. You let yourself get rocked to sleep, and things of God don't mean jack to you. You kind of, kind of, you like it, but you're just so, uh, and that's a bad and even dangerous. The Bible says a dangerous place to be. All right, we're going to take communion now. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward at our campuses and here as well. Now. One of the things about communion, the Bible says when you're about to take communion, you should examine yourself. Do you know what that means? It means reflect a little bit. Whenever you hear a sermon from me or anybody else, here or any other church, before you take communion, you're supposed to reflect, how does that affect me? Where am I? Am I okay? I guess I'm okay. Or yeah, actually, I really need some help in this area. I'm not doing the right thing, or I'm, I'm letting life just rock me to sleep, and I'm not very passionate about my faith. Then do something about it. Adjust. That's what you're supposed to do when we take communion is self-examination. And we always give people an opportunity. If you don't really know Christ, if you've never asked God into your life, we're going to pray a prayer together and we're going to invite you to pray this prayer with us. And if you'll open up your heart, whether you're watching me, you know, on the other side of the world on the internet right now, watching us on television in Wisconsin in a service or, or on your iPad at home, if you will pray this prayer with us, You can take your first steps of faith this morning and you can start to really experience this wonderful God that we celebrate. Let's pray this prayer together. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I surrender my heart to you this morning. 
and I ask you to come into my life. 